Here we are. Good morning. This is Rogue Race. I am privileged to be able to be on the radio with you listening. At least right now you're listening for this moment because I get to at this moment give glory, praise, and honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, now by doing that, I am fulfilled, I am satisfied, because that is what I and you were created to do. So, welcome to the program. Good to spend this time with you, wherever you are, in your car at work, or at home, or on a walk, wherever you are. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Jesus said in John 14, to his disciples... To his, his guys, you, you know who I'm talking about, to the 12. He, he talks to them in John chapter 14 that they are not of the world. In verse 23, as you've heard this before, he says in verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. I love that. We will come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that beautiful? The father and the son, Jesus says, we will come to you. And then he says in the same paragraph, if you would, in that same text in the scriptures, he talks to his disciples about peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do I give to you? So the world gives peace, doesn't it? Because he says, not as the world gives, do I give to you. So there is a peace that the world gives, but Jesus says, that's not the peace that I give to you. It's the world giving you peace in a way that's different than in the way that Jesus gives us peace. And so if you, we would say to to those that are, not believers or not walking with God through Christ, we would say, have you ever had peace? Though often somebody might even very likely say, yeah, I do this. I've done that. I'm with this person. I've had that experience and I've had peace. Okay. We don't have to deny that. What we say is, but you've never had a peace that Jesus is talking about because he says, The world cannot give you this kind of peace. It's a different 
peace than the world can give. So I'm just reminded of that right now, reminding you of that. You, you know it's true, so do I. But I think if we're not careful in any given day, even right now, we can try to find peace because we've experienced it to one degree or another in something that the world offers. Find peace by um, getting that raise at work or going on that drive into the countryside or whatever it might be. It could even be sinful, addiction, drunkenness. And you say, yeah, it gives me peace. Jesus says, but I give you a peace that the world cannot give. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. So Jesus gives us peace that is not as the world gives peace. So what I'm saying is if you're needing peace at this hour, there's, there's going to be all kinds of options for you, for me, to get some peace of mind. But there is a peace that is beyond anything the world can give. And it's the peace of Jesus Christ. So he says that to his disciples. And when he concludes this conversation with them in that upper room discourse, he says, all right, he says, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. So now Jesus prays what we see this prayer that he gives to the father. John chapter 17. But in this prayer that he gives to the Father, would you notice with me, he says in verse 20 of chapter 17, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus is praying, and he says to the Father, I do not ask only for these, that is the twelve, now the eleven disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. You know who that is, right? Not only those in the book of Acts that believed, but if you would, the book of Acts that's still taking place right now, that would be you and I. He's praying for us. Jesus is praying for us in the Lord's, 
this high priestly prayer, as we call it. This prayer that he gives right before he is betrayed and arrested. He says, I'm not only praying for these disciples that are with me, verse 20, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So Jesus was praying for us, you and I, here in Oregon, or Arizona, or wherever you may be, yes, even you, in White City. He's praying for us 2,000 years ago, and it's recorded here in John chapter 17. And then he goes on to say in verse 25, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. Jesus says, not only do I know you, but these also know you. So he is including all of us in this beautiful priestly prayer that he is making hours before he dies. You know, what's beautiful is Jesus prays this and says, Father, you love me and you love them even as you love me. Isn't that beautiful? You loved them even as you love me. Why? How can he say that about us? Because you are in Jesus Christ. You are placed within him. That is why God the Father, who is righteous as Jesus calls him, O righteous Father, can love you even as he loves Jesus Christ. Because you are placed, not physically, I'm talking eternally, positionally. You are placed in Jesus Christ. Well, while this then concludes his prayer, you know the story. He's arrested by Judas and the Roman cohort betrayed by Judas, taken into the house of Caiaphas, the high priest, who was very corrupt. It was Caiaphas who told the Jews it was expedient that one man die for the people. He said so correctly, not knowing that he was prophesying. It is expedient. It is necessary that one man die for the people, for the world, in fact. And yet, while Jesus is being questioned by Caiaphas and by the Sanhedrin, um, by those Jews in a shoddy and rigged trial that was taking place, we read in John chapter 18 that Peter, his disciple, 
was standing and warming himself at the fire there in the courtyard. And it was there that for the third time, Peter denied that he knew Jesus. In fact, it was to one of the relatives of the high priest. It was to a relative of the man, also of the high priest, and the relative also of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. So that's why Peter's being interrogated like this. The dude whose ear he cut off, named Malchus, was related to the high priest. And so, not only is the high priest questioning Jesus, but a relative of the high priest, or the servant of the high priest, is now questioning Peter interrogating him by the fire. And Peter denies again, and at once the rooster crowed. It's interesting that it says there in John 18 that it was a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. The problem with unsheathing the sword and cutting off ears, as Peter would tell you, is that it not only affects that person, but also their relatives, their family, other people. And ultimately, Peter denied he knew Jesus three times at the fire. It says that Peter was standing at the fire and warming himself. (laughs) It was there at the fire that he was warming himself. It collapsed, burned him, and he went out and wept when the rooster crowed that third time. And Jesus looked at Peter, we are told. So Jesus is inside the house being illegally tried and being accused and castigated. And as he looks out, he sees Peter as the rooster crowed. He knew to look at Peter. What do you kind of, what kind of look do you think Jesus gave to Peter? Because it then says Peter went out and wept. So it doesn't say, I I can only try to imagine when we get to heaven, we'll be able, well, I don't know if Peter wants to replay that in heaven. (laughs) So I don't know if we'll ever see that, but can you only imagine what the look was that caused Peter when he heard that rooster and Jesus looked at him to go out and weep. Now, Judas betrayed Jesus, just like Peter denied Jesus, both in the facility, if you would, the institution of the priest. Judas hung himself. Peter went out and wept. 
but it would be, well, the angels told the women at the tomb three days later. That Jesus had risen from the dead. And then when they encounter, when Jesus speaks to them, he says, go tell the disciples and tell Peter. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? Specifically tell Peter. So it wasn't, I mean, in a sense, um, I don't know if I can say this, but let me see how I could word this. It wasn't as though um, Peter was, quote unquote, more spiritual. Uh, better than Judas. I mean, in a certain sense, he wasn't better than Judas in a certain sense. In another sense, everyone is better than Judas. He's the worst that's ever lived. But they both denied Jesus. They both failed miserably. And upon that failure, they're both devastated So Judas hangs himself, and if you would, in a certain sense, you can say, Peter, he hung in there. Maybe he was barely surviving those three days. Can you imagine how long those three days must have felt to Peter after he had denied? His last encounter was Jesus looking at him there in the courtyard of the high priest. That was his last experience encounter. No wonder he said, even after Jesus had risen, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to fishing again. No wonder he said that. And while Judas took his own life and could not be restored, Peter, quote, hung in there, if you would. Jesus rose again from the dead and says, I'm going to find Peter specifically. Jesus has risen from the dead and he finds Peter. It's a beautiful thing. So Peter is now one of the great, we would call, we could say a priest, a, a pastor, a minister in the church, in the church history, because Jesus went out and found him after Peter had truly failed him. It's a beautiful thing, this thing called grace. Why am I even, well, I'm talking about this because it's in God's word, but I just got to read through the Bible, through this experience of Peter this morning as I was reading through the Bible. Did I tell you anything that you haven't heard before? No. Was I making, have I made any ground shaking, world changing in and of myself, uh, revelatory insight? Not not necessarily at all. But what I'm saying is just read through the Gospels. Read through the Bible because God will speak to you as you do. 
as I rise, strength of God, go before, lift me up, as I wake, eyes of God, look upon, be my sight.
I have been able to teach through the Bible in different ministries. I did here at the church before. Uh, I've taught through the Bible in St. Louis, Missouri. Not through the entire Bible, but made my way through the New Testament. And then uh, here at Applegate, many years ago now. So I, I believe in it, but man, the way that my pop teaches through the Bible, I say, that's incredible. That's awesome. Because it's hard to do. Just in my own reading of the Bible, as I read through the Bible, you know, chapter after chapter, read it out loud. There are many things that go, I have no idea what that means. Um, so to be able to teach it, pretty impressive, I have to say, from my perspective, from a lot of people's perspective. So come out tonight as we go through the Bible, the Bible goes, moves through us in the book of Isaiah the prophet. Come on out and join us at seven o'clock in the sanctuary. I'm very much looking forward to it. It says in the gospel of John, when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So this is, again, the gospel of John. And Jesus is telling them, he is giving them his final words before he dies in that upper room where he washed their feet. And then he goes on to say, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Now at that time, as you know, Peter glances over at John as they're sitting at the table and kind of either gestures, you know, gives like a facial expression, something telling John, who is he talking about? And so John is able to discuss it with Jesus because as you know, around those tables in the Middle East in the first century, you laid around the table, everyone. And so every there was a, a perfect or a kind of order, right? 
And we now know from just reading this conversation that Jesus and John are about to have, John would be seated at the left side or the left hand right of Jesus leaning up on his chest or his heart, as we might say. And it says that Jesus was troubled in his spirit. And so the disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. And Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus. So Peter gives him this, this gesture, this motion. Come on, ask him. Who's he talking about? And Jesus answered, is he who I give this morsel of bread to? So he gives the bread to Judas. Now, that's why nobody knew that Judas was on his way out the door after Jesus had washed their feet. Judas was on his way out to betray Jesus. No one knew because this was a conversation that John was having with Jesus as John is right on his chest, Jesus's chest. Leaning, as the word says in verse 25, leaning back against Jesus. So it'd be easy for Jesus to whisper this to John. So there were two people who knew what Judas was up to. Jesus and John, no one else. Jesus and John. Why? That we read, the scripture might be fulfilled. As the gospel points out, that the one who lifted up his heel against Jesus was the one who took the bread. Literally, quote, he who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Now that's quoting from Psalm 41. David's talking about his friend that had betrayed him, Ahithophel. Jesus uses that to describe what was speaking of, or not just Jesus, but John the writer. What's fascinating, what's incredible about that, as you know, is that scripture, he lifted up his heel against me. The very heel that would be lifted up against Jesus was the heel Jesus had just washed in the previous verses. He lifted up his heel against me. Where it was told to, to Adam in the beginning, it was told that one would come and the serpent would bruise his heel, but he would crush the serpent's head. So Jesus had his feet not washed as he did for the disciples, but bruised by the serpent. But in so doing, he crushed the serpent's head. What a conversation this is taking place, right? With the disciples, Peter and John, with Jesus giving them these final words at the Lord's table or the Passover meal. 
What a friend we have in Jesus. What a savior he is. And even though Peter would fail him, Jesus wouldn't fail Peter. And even though you and I have failed Jesus, the work of the cross never does. Therefore, we can do what Jesus said in this very same scripture, in this text. We can love one another even as he has loved us.
again, a little announcement or reminder to come on out tonight and uh, participate in what the kingdom of God is about. Not that you aren't right now, but I mean together with us as we gather uh, in the house of the Lord. Um, Not that he doesn't live in us, not that he's not everywhere, but there's something to be said about where two or more are gathered in his name. Tonight at seven o'clock, Jesus touched the leper, defended the sinner, astonished the learned, loved the Samaritan, healed the sick, frustrated the Pharisee, fulfilled the law, worshipped by prostitutes, admired by disciples, ate with publicans, turned the tables, carried the cross, bore my curse, took my shame, pleased the Father, defeated the devil, vacated the tomb, ascended to God. I mean, I was just going through my notes earlier this morning and I found that. I, I don't even remember writing it. But isn't it such a beautiful thing to be able to look at Jesus and not only discover, but rediscover? His glory, his goodness, who he is. your kingdom come and let your will be done and give us today all that we need and forgive our sins as we forgive each other yours is the
not, Lord, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And lead us not, Lord, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This way, sin is running away from God. The gospel is God chasing us down. Sin is refusing God's will. The gospel is God's will is even greater than ours. Sin is us taking the place of God. The gospel is God taking our place. The gospel, the grace of God is that he chases us down. It wasn't me. You know, I I love how it says there in the story of the prodigal son. The father saw him a long ways off and ran out. It wasn't me arriving. It was when I was still a long way off that God chose to restore, redeem me and you too. You know, when you're a long ways off, you... You might have had five steps on me, but you were still a long ways off. And the father runs out and brings us home. So 
you might have a son who's a long way off right now. You might feel yourself you're a long way off. You might have a friend. They're a long way off. Yeah, but they're not out of the reach of our loving Father through the grace of His Son, Jesus the Christ. He can reach them. The reason I know that is because He reached you and I. And He won't let us go either. No wonder it's called the gospel. It is good news. See you tonight. God bless you. And if you want, you can always get the podcast to this. Just go on Applegate Fellowship website and you'll see my name there. Click on it and you can get the podcast if you would like to. Or if you want to contact me too, you're more than welcome to send me a a note or an email through that website. But either way, may you grow in not the knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ, but the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. In that order, God bless.